Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start in uh, Psalm 118 here. And, uh, oh, but anyway, uh, David wrote this psalm. And remember, there's 150 psalms. And I like to call them prayers because, I mean, even today, somebody might say, oh, listen to this psalm. It really means a lot to me. Well, there's 150 here. They should mean a lot to us. But they're more than just, and a lot of times we'll say, oh, listen to the lyrics of this song. It's this verse right here. It really means a lot to me. Well, yes. And that's why you don't have any music or any annotation here. And but anyway, Psalm 72 flat out says it's a prayer in that one. But anyway, look at this. Oh, thank the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is forever. Now, there's a couple of things right there that sometimes little house on the prairie, I like to say. And I, I understand Michael Landon. I like Bonanza and all this stuff. And I like little Joe. I mean, I do. Let me tell you, they get it dead wrong on some things. You know, immediately sometimes, even our stories, we, we talk about, you know, how I say football or whatever. But it could be anything else. Somebody's just really got a career and all of a sudden they get a big setback. setback. And we'll make a big deal about that setback. And we'll think, well, I guess the Lord's got his hand in it. Only if it's like Joseph... This is the pattern. This is what we're going... These are real people that had real problems and they asked the Lord to help them and they got it. I like to say, don't take no for an answer, praise the Lord, in your prayers. Oh, thank the Lord for He's good. His loving kindness is forever. But sometimes we read this and we go, yeah, I'm supposed to say thank you. And I'm supposed to say His loving kindness is forever. No, we don't get it when we do that. He really is. Think about Joseph when he named his two kids, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh meant cause to forget. He lost his whole family, even though he didn't, he, he didn't appreciate what his brothers did to him. He lost his daddy, okay? And his mother and his younger brother, Benjamin. And then he, the next son was named Naphtali, I think one of them. But the, the name of the son meant this. It meant gifts. Everything was pouring in on Joseph. And then all of a sudden, his brothers show up. Wow, and then he gets to see his dad. I know it was a trigger question because he was still acting like Pharaoh and he said, uh, uh, where's your dad? And they go, well, he's an old man, but he's... And so he got an update from his dad, and then, of course, you know the story. But anyway, so no wonder, thank the Lord, he's so good. His loving kindness is forever. Look at this. Let the congregation of Israel praise him. Now, that's us. That just means everybody, okay? Get us all together. Praise him with these same words. His loving kindness is forever. And let the priest of Aaron chant his loving kindness is forever. Now, why would we want to do that? Well, let me tell you why it's so important. It's not just, uh, you know, that it's some sort of magical thing, although it, the results are magical, that's for sure. But let me show you uh, a situation here that that took place in just real briefly. Uh, because sometimes we can let ourselves get so discouraged, we're just like, well, I just don't know how in the world things are going to turn out good for me. Here's a little miniature story here. Uh, those are not the Israelites. These are the kings of Moab. Notice kings plural. You don't have a kingdom with two people. These, these places were huge. Moab, Ammon, Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Oh my goodness. Well, you know the story. I'm not going to go all the way through it. But Jehoshaphat was smart. Notice this. He gathered everybody together at the new court of the temple and prayed this prayer. And I want to remind us that sometimes we get away from what the temple is all about and Jesus and all these things. But Jesus, when he tore those people up in the temple, run, turned over those places, he says, my house is called a what? A house of prayer. 
not to get us calmed down, make us better character, whatever. It's a place of emergency. We're in trouble. We ask the Lord for help. Sure, we get to be better Christians. Sure, we learn to be better in all areas of our life. But it is a house of prayer. Notice this. They gather together in the court. And anyway, basically what they said was, you're so powerful. You're so mighty. Who can stand against you? Anyway, he says, didn't you drive out the heathens who lived in this land? Basically, he's setting his case and saying, well, you drove them out, but guess what? Down the hall to the left, they're on their way back. And we don't have any help whatsoever, but our eyes are on you. And, of course, God said, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of this. And some people say, well, it was just a miracle. You know, the Lord just decided to help them. No. Well, then why did they bother to ask? Our God, won't you stop them? We have no way to protect ourselves against this mighty army. We don't know what to do, but we're looking for you. Anyway, so the battle's the Lord's, which is the same thing that's been said all along. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. So they did the right thing. But now notice this. After the leaders of Israel determined that there, there should be a choir leading the march. A choir? What? Send the choir out? That is suicide. Look at this. And they're supposed to sing, his loving kindness is forever. I think we get it. See, Jehoshaphat was great, 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 great grandson of who? David. So he knew. And of course, you know what happened in that story. But now let's go back to the book of Psalms here and back over here to uh, why he tells us in Psalm 118. So in 118 here, he goes on and he says, uh, let everybody say, let the priest of Aaron chant his loving kindness is forever. Let the Gentile converts. So in other words, you can see from verse 1 to 3, we're included in this. And I like to say if it's in your Bible, it's yours because it is. So notice here we go. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord. And notice he didn't say, I prayed and Lord just help me understand that when things fall apart, it's okay. No, it's like me with my car the other day. I'm like, boy, I had car. I was already working on Mel's car. I already had trouble. And I gave her my car, which was supposed to be fault-free, and it has a problem. Now I got two cars that are broke down. <clears throat> but I do the same thing. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me. Now that cannot be heaven. No, it's not talking about heaven. We've got heaven covered. Jesus loves you and I. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going... He is for me. How can I be afraid? What can mere man do to me? The Lord's on my side. He will help me. Let those who hate me beware. Like beware of dog, you know. Beware. I'm with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Notice it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. Now what he's actually saying there, you know, is uh, well, I need to reach for the phone and tell somebody. You need to reach for Jesus. Get where you do that first, you know. We are in such a psychological, uh, it's reason uh, in our political world right now, we're having to undo political correctness, trying to make things easy. But, well, the reason that guy's having such a tough time is his upbringing, whatever. You don't find Jesus dealing with anybody because they had an upbringing problem. The Lord is, knows how to handle mental difficulties and whatever, but we just don't give him credit for it. I'm telling you. He does. So look what he says. It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. It's better to take refuge in him than the mightiest king. Look at this. Though all nations of the world attack me. Now this sounds like Psalm 91. A thousand fall at your side. Ten thousand at my right hand, but it'll not come nigh me. Though all the nations of the world. That's basically a world war against you. I will march out behind his banner and destroy them. Now what would that do for you if you read that? Oh, some morning this week when you thought your world was going to collapse. 
you're going to realize, praise God, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. Yes, they surround me and attack me, but with his flag flying above me, I'll cut them off. They'll swarm around me like bees. They'll blaze against me like a roaring flame. Uh, yet, his flag, yet beneath his flag, I'll destroy them. You did your best to kill me, O oh my enemy, but the Lord helped me. He's my strength and song, and in the heat of battle, and now he has given me the victory. Songs of joy at the news of our rescue are sung in the homes of the godly. That's the reason you got to watch what you listen to. I mean, don't listen to somebody, well, you know, I served the Lord, but it didn't go well. Oh, isn't it great? It didn't go well. It didn't go well, but it's okay. I'll ask him when I get to heaven. Don't sing that song. Sing this one. I don't care who that author is. That will destroy you. It's got nothing to do with Psalm 91. Okay, anyway, you have to watch those things. Sometimes it's just, oh, I really love this song. Well, why? Well, it, just, it made me feel good because that guy went through the same problem I did. I don't listen to those songs. I need help now. Anyway, songs of joy at the news of our rescue are sung in the homes of the godly. Why? Because we want his help. The Lord's strong arm has done these glorious things. Now, look at this. I shall not die, but live to tell of all his deeds. King James says, I'll not, well, basically it's the same thing. He says, I'll live and not die. It's one thing I like to say a lot. I'm going to live and not die. He says, the Lord's punished me, but look at this, but not handed me over to death. So all this stuff up here obviously wasn't, well, the Lord's trying you. He's going to send all these military people against you in wars. No. The Lord's like a father to us. He'll correct us. But don't be thinking your car wrecks and things like that. God's always just, or when things go wrong, you know when you need help. Anyway, notice this. Open the gates of the temple and I will go in and give him thanks. Those gates are the way into the presence of the Lord and the godly enter therein. Now, I'm going to switch this to the King James and let you see something that we're looking at right here. That's verse 19. Notice what's happening here. He says, open to me the gates of righteousness and I will praise the Lord. This is, this is the gate of the Lord into which the righteous enter. I will praise the Lord. He's heard me. You've become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused. See, there it is. It's the headstone. headstone. This is the Lord's do doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. So now we see where he's at. But see, a lot of times, well, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I had to learn this song, had to learn this song, and I don't know what it means. But it's sort of like the banner of Christianity. And we didn't realize what was behind it. David said, all armies come against me. And he said, I'm not going to die, I'm going to live. The Lord's punished me, he's not handing me over to death. That's the reason I don't buy it when all of a sudden things are going wrong. So, well, I guess this, I'm going down for the count. No, he said, he's not handing me over to death. Put your shield up. Resist that stuff. He says, open the gates of the temple. I'll go in and give him thanks. Those gates are the way into the presence of the Lord. The godly enter there. Oh, thank you so much for answering my prayer and saving me. Saving me from what? Those armies were rallied up to kill him. Or something else was out there. The stone which the builders rejected. And it's the same thing. This is the stone. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to think about everywhere Jesus went there was miracles. I'm not, my problems are too great. God, what's the matter with you? I mean, you, you know, you're just ruining my life. It's your fault, God. No, I'm not going to do that. He says, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous to see. This is the day the Lord's made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, please, Lord, help us, save us, give us success. Blessed is the man who's coming, the one sent by the Lord. We bless you from the temple. 
Here's the last part. Jehovah's our light. I present to him my sacrifices upon the altar. You're my God. I'll give you thanks and this praise. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His loving kindness is forever. We'll wake you up on it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be fine. Now, let's watch a little incident over here with Jesus just a moment. And then we'll close. And this is so biased. Now, what I mean by that is this is all one-sided. It's all Jesus. There's not anything we can say about it. This is exactly what happened. We'll pick it up here in uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 5 and uh, watch what happens here. Let me close this down. Okay. When they arrived on the other side of the lake, they're basically across the water. Nothing going on here. As soon as they get to land, watch what happens. A demon-possessed man runs out from a graveyard just as Jesus was climbing from the boat. This man lived among the gravestones, had such strength that whenever he was put into handcuffs and shackles, uh, as, he, uh, anyway, as he often was, he snapped the handcuffs from his wrist, smashed the shackles, walked away. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and all night he wandered in the tombs and the hills screaming and cutting himself with sharp pieces of stone. Now that wouldn't be too good if that was you. That's pretty bad. But again, what are we reading? An incident here. What did Jesus do to this fella? When Jesus was still far out on the water, now you've got to know Jesus knew this guy was there and he leaves the 99 and he goes, that Jesus went across that water for this guy. And I don't care what you're dealing with. It makes no difference. Jesus is on the water fixing to come to you. And I got news for you. You're going to see in a minute. Nobody appreciated this but this guy. The people actually told Jesus, get back in the boat and get out of here. Leave. But Jesus stopped everything and went after, we'll say you. Jesus was still a far way out on the water. The man seen him and ran to meet him, fell down before him. Jesus spoke to him, to the demon that was within the man, said, come out of him. Notice it wasn't even an option. I mean, you ought to be free from any kind of pressure that the devil's putting on you. It gave a terrible scream, shrieking, what are you going to do to me? Jesus, son of the most high God. For God's sake, don't torture me. That's the reason Hollywood has it wrong. And don't listen to anything that makes you think the devil is so great in your life. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The devil is scared. He's heading for the lake of fire. It's all doom and gloom for him, not us. He is so toast. That demons are all shaken. The book of Hebrew, I mean, excuse me, the book of James says that even the devils believe and they tremble. What's your name? Boy, you got to know this guy right here is on your side. He is with you. And he tells this, and he created that devil. Not to be a devil, but anyway. What's your name? <laughs> Legion? There are many of us here within this man. Then the devils, look again, <laughs> they're planning on moving. They're not, oh, let me help you, Lord. We know we're toast. We can't stay. That's right. And they can't, the devil can't mess up your life. People think the Lord's cutting deals with the devil. You know, he's not. Then the demons begged them again and again to send them into some distant land. Uh, not to send them into some distant land. Now there was a bunch of pigs over there rooting around. You know the story. And they said, send us into the pigs, the demons begged. You know. And don't make a lot of big deal here. This was doom and gloom for the, <laughs> for the demons. God said, no, I mean, Jesus says, yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> it didn't last but about 20 seconds. So anyway, they jumped in those pigs, and all of a sudden that entire herd ran down the hillside and drowned. Now remember what was going on. Apparently this guy is okay now. Okay, the demons are gone. The herdsmen fled to nearby towns, country, spreading the news as they ran. Luke's account and Matthew's account said this guy run around with no clothes on, okay? Everyone rushed out to see, them, to see for themselves. A large crowd gathered where Jesus was. But when they saw the man sitting there fully clothed, 
and perfectly sane. You know, the stuff, we, I, I hear this stuff all the time too. Sometimes you get a miracle, sometimes you get a gradual miracle. Don't believe that. You've got Jesus. You've got your miracle right. Why do you want to slice it up and try to go, well, I, I heard him say that on TV. I hear him say on the Bible. Okay, don't start. I mean, this is the day the Lord has made. You don't have time for, even Joshua didn't have time. The army was coming. They needed the Lord to show up right then. Anyway, those who saw what happened were telling everyone about it. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them. So he got back in the boat. The man who was possessed by the demon begged Jesus to let him go. But no, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said no. Wait a minute. But look what he says. Go to your friends. Tell him what wonderful things God's done for you and how merciful he's been. Well, that's just temporary, Jesus. You can't be going around saying that because, I mean, one day's up, one day's down. No, it's not. Where do we get that from? David, so bold about it, he said, this is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I got his help. He's going to help me out. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region, began to tell everyone of the great things Jesus had done for him, and they were all struck by his story. Now, Later on, about five, uh, four chapters later, Jesus lands at this place. And guess what happens? As soon as he lands, everybody brings out the sick folks. I mean, they just, oh, Jesus is here. So apparently what that guy did was great. And it was great that the Lord <clears throat> had that wonderful plan. Anyway, when Jesus had gone across by boat to the other side, a vast crowd gathered around him on the shore. Now, so far, I haven't read anything about Jesus saying, you know what? You really need to learn to worship God. You really need to learn to know how to be in his presence. You really need to think about wives, you need to be better to your husbands. Husbands, you need to be better to your wives. And kids, you need to be doing this. If you want the Lord to be working in your life. And, and then we all need to be doing this. And what, No, we don't. This takes care of itself. That demon-possessed guy, whatever got him in that trouble, I'm telling you what, he knew he wanted to serve the Lord. And watch what happens here. The leader of the local synagogue. Now in the book of John, everybody that was involved in the synagogue, if you had anything to do with Jesus, you were in trouble. But watch Jesus be very kind to this guy. And, but also this fella here knew what the answer was because he had a daughter that was basically dead already. But we'll see what happens. We're going to call him Jerry, whose name was Jairus, but it's Jerry. He fell down before him pleading with him to heal his little daughter. Wow. She's at the point of death, he said in desperation, please come and place your hands on her and make her live. Jesus went with him. The crowd strong behind him, and in the crowd was a woman who had been sick for 12 years with a hemorrhage. Well, I mean, you know, that, that'd be pretty disappointing. You can't stop the bleeding. But now what did she do? She suffered many things from many doctors for years, became poor from paying them, and was no better. But in fact, she was worse. Well, that'd be really depressing. She heard about the wonderful miracles Jesus did. That's the reason we got to keep reading. Don't wait on everybody else to read your Bible. You read your Bible. And you'll do what she did. That's the reason we have the details. This is not for us to find her in heaven someday and say, I want to see the woman that touched the hem of his garment. Funny part about it is, if you've read the Gospels, you'll find out there were a lot of people that touched the hem of his garment. And everybody that touched him, one of the scriptures says, was healed. So this was not just a one-time deal. Anyway, she came close to touch his garment. She thought to herself, if I can touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And sure enough, as soon as she touched him, the bleeding stopped and she knew she was well. Now, notice, we have a big time out here. We're in a huge crowd, remember. Jesus is still basically 
turn into gold everything he touches, which is the key to the scriptures. We need the Lord. That's the reason God was mocking the Israelites in the Old Testament. You carve out an idol and you worship it and you try to make it cause your crops to grow or make your wife be able to have children or all these kind of things. You don't need to do that. We have the Lord. That's the reason I'm so set against our American traditions that we think Jesus says no half the time. He answers yes, no, and maybe. Oh, I could have got that from that little eight ball thing. Thank God my mom didn't want us to have one. But I remember that thing. One of our friends had one, and I'd grab it out of his closet, and I'd ask him. And then I'd shake that thing, and it would say, maybe. And I'd say, oh, good. It was actually, it was actually Michael, uh, what artist. He had one, you know. And, well, thank God we didn't need one. But anyway, let's keep going. Anyway, who touched my clothes? The disciples said to him, at this crowd, all this crowd pressing around you, and you ask who touched you. Now, this was funny. You know, that's exactly what that meant. I mean, Jesus saying, who touched me? And his disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? But he kept looking around to see who had done this. Now, why? Well, two reasons. The woman, and also it was a teachable moment. The frightened woman came trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. She fell down at his feet, told him what she had done. He said, daughter, your faith made you well. Go in peace, healed of your plague. Notice he didn't say, well, this is temporary. I'm sorry, I wish I could, this would, you know, it would be more lasting or whatever. No, he said, you're healed. And how long had that been? 12 years. Praise the Lord. While, she was, while he was still talking to her, boy, more bad news arrived from Jerry's house, Jairus. The home uh, with the news that it was too late, his daughter was dead. There was no point in Jesus coming now. There's no point in praying now. I mean, it's too late. Nothing's too late. Jesus ignored their comments and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just trust me. Wow. How many times do we see that? Psalm 37, trust in the Lord. Trust what? I believe there's a Lord. That's not what he said. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And he actually says, make your request right there. Lay it out plain. Okay. Jesus halted the crowd, wouldn't let him go on to Jerry's home, except Peter and James and John. When they arrived, they saw that it was all great confusion and unrestrained weeping and wailing. He went inside, spoke to people, why all this weeping and commotion? The child's not dead, she's just asleep. Now can you imagine that? Of course, that's God talking. And you're not going to find that Jesus gets stumped. Well, it didn't work this time, did it? Now, now what a mess you've made. You told everybody she was just sleeping. Nah. They laughed at him in bitter derision, but he told them all to leave. Taking the girl's father and mother and his three disciples, he went into the room where she was lying. Taking her by the hand, he said, get up, little girl. She was 12 years old. And she jumped up and walked around. Her parents couldn't get over it. Jesus instructed them earnestly not to tell what had happened and told her to give them something to eat. Now, that was mercy even to Jairus. Now, sometimes we think, well, you know, he's got to stand up for Jesus. That's all going to take care of itself in a couple of months or a year or whatever, whatever point this was after Jesus rose from the dead. <clears throat> now, that's chapter 5. I'm going to stop in six, but watch this. So he left there, and he went to his hometown in Nazareth, okay? The next Sabbath, he went to teach, uh, and the people were astonished at his wisdom and his miracles. He was just a local man like themselves. He's no better than we are, they said. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy, the brother of James and Joseph, Judah, Simon. These were his brothers. And his sisters live right here among us, and they were offended, and you know what? Things in your life you can get offended too and just quit reading this. You know, well, I prayed last night and didn't see it. Don't give up. Be like the woman with the demon-possessed uh, daughter in Matthew, I mean, Matthew 15. Even the dogs get the crumbs. I'm this is true. 
This is true. Jesus said to them, a prophet's not honored. In, no, he's honored everywhere except in his hometown, among his relatives and, his, uh, oh, and among his own family. And because of their unbelief, look at this, he, could, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them because of their, excuse me, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except he placed his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Well, I think that would be good enough. If you've if you got strep or whatever, I mean, praise the Lord, I, I could handle some of that. But anyway, nonetheless, look at this. Help right there. And he could hardly accept the fact that they wouldn't believe in him. You know what? That's the same thing Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 1 when he was recapping the story coming from Pharaoh. When they wiped out Pharaoh and his group and they got all the way to the promised land and they go, well, yeah, it's a good land, all right, but we can't take it. There's giants over there. You and I have got Jesus with us. There is nothing too hard for him. That, I mean, even in our life. Nothing. Let me speed just ahead. Just I want to come right back. But look at this here. Same situation. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. His clothes is glowing, whatever. And his disciples are in an argument with some people. Well, actually, these people were. One of the men in the crowd spoke up, Teacher, I brought my son to he for you to heal. Uh, he can't because he's... Uh, Possessed by demons. And whenever the demon takes control of him, all, all these details. I begged your disciples to cast him out, but they couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, they could, too. <clears throat> anyway, notice what Jesus said. Oh, what tiny faith you have. How much longer must I be with you until you believe? Boy, now, boy, that, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to be on the shores of Galilee when Jesus was there. He just said, you don't need that. You just need to use your faith. He said, how much longer have I got to be here? Notice what he says, bring him to me. How much longer must I be patient with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy when, they, when, when Jesus, when he saw Jesus, the demon convulsed the child horribly. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming. How long has this been this way? Boy, and I mean, the, the father went on this big thing. Oh, this big thing. Oh, it's often done this. Now notice what he says. Oh, have mercy on us and do something. Look at that. If you can. If I can. Anything is possible if you have faith. Now, he said that in the face of somebody who had already made up his mind, well, if you can. Well, you know the story. He got out of it. Now, back to six, just a moment. So here he is, and he is stunned that the people uh, wouldn't believe. He couldn't do any mighty miracles there. Well, they didn't want him there in the first place. That's the reason he left after he healed the guy that was demon-possessed. They said, leave. Get out of here. So he did. Anyway, he went among the villages teaching, and he called his twelve together, sent them out two by two to, uh, with power to cast out demons and to take nothing with them except uh, their walking sticks. Don't take no food, no knapsack, no money, not even an extra pair of shoes or a change of clothes. Now, I want to remind you, right before Jesus died on the cross, they had the Lord's Supper, and the Lord turned to them and says, Hey, when I sent y'all out, did y'all lack for anything? And they said, We lack for nothing. <laughs> yeah, and you're not going to lack for nothing either. The Gettysburg Address, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Moses told them, he says, while we were wandering out in the wilderness, our shoes didn't wear out, our clothes didn't wear out. We didn't lack for anything. We're not going to lack for anything either. He said, stay in one home, each village. Don't shift around from house to house. And whenever a village will accept you, won't accept you, or at least to shake off the dust of your feet. It's a sign you've abandoned it to its fate. <laughs> Sounds like when they get there, it's supposed to be a blessing. Absolutely. So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to turn from sin. They cast out demons and healed many sick folks, anointing them with olive oil. 
When King Herod, and I want you to see this, heard about Jesus for his miracles were talked about everywhere. Now, what's up with that? It's the same thing happening to us. The Lord is blessing us tremendously. Back in these days, they thought, well, uh, I know why they're having miracles. This is John the Baptist, rose from the dead. Reincarnation. They had no concept that it was God. No concept. And we can be that way, too. We can think, well, it's just, oh, we got, I got lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky on that one, but I'm not going to ask the Lord for any more help. No, don't do that. You always ask for the Lord's help. So he tells the story. Uh, Herod thought, well, you know, that's because I had John the Baptist uh, killed, and so he's come back to life. Some of the people are saying, no, uh, no one can do such miracles. Uh, no, so the people were saying, no wonder he can do such miracles. Others were saying, Elijah, the ancient prophet, now returned to life. They claimed he was a new prophet like the great ones of the past. Now, why was all this going on? Because... or. Uh, 5,000 were being fed, 4,000 were being fed, all these people were being healed. We already have a daughter that was raised from the dead. This woman that was bleeding, you can't keep her mouth shut. You sure can't keep that guy who used to be demon-possessed. Herod said, no, it's John, it's who I beheaded. No, it's not. It was the Lord, and he's the same Lord today for you and I. Now, they recap this story of how Herod had uh, uh, John killed. Anyway, let's speed just ahead a little bit. So anyway, Herod, I mean, Herod has John the Baptist. His head's cut off and is put on a tray. Okay. Anyway, the apostles now return to Jesus from their tour. What tour? All the miracles taking place. That's the reason they brought the story up. John the Baptist, I mean, Herod said, uh, it's, it's, it's John. It's because his head's cut off. <laughs> no, he's not. He's gone. And it ain't even an old prophet brought back. It's the Lord. Just like David was saying, this is the day the Lord's made. Jesus suggested, let's get away from the crowds a while. Uh, and uh, They were coming and going and were scarcely had time to eat. They left the boat for a quieter spot. Many saw him leaving and they ran on ahead to the shore and met them. The uh, usual vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat. He had pity on them. Uh, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he op uh, it says, And so he taught them many things they needed to know. But we don't know what that was. Kind of like, well, man, that was the important part. God will get that part to us. But look at what else is important. Late in the afternoon, his disciples said, hey, send these people away so they can buy food. There's nothing to eat out here. And Jesus says, you feed them. What? You feed them? Jesus, are you out of your mind? With what? It would take a fortune. Praise the Lord, we have somebody who has a fortune. How much food do we have? He said, go find out. They came back and they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus told the crowd to sit down. Soon, colorful groups of 50 and 100 were each sitting in the grass. They always wonder about that. Jesus said in Matthew, have them sit down in groups of 150. That's because while you're eating, you could look up and go, I counted. There's at least 5,000 here. <laughs> 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50,000. 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. Oh, man. I keep believing. I keep believing. He, broke, uh, he took the bread, two fish, looked up to heaven, gave thanks for the food, break it and gave the, fish, the bread and the fish to each disciple to, to place before the people. The crowd ate until they could hold no more. Wow. There were about 5,000 men uh, there for that meal. And afterwards, 12 baskets full of scraps were picked up. <sighs> Mercy. Afterward, Jesus instructed the disciples to get in the boat, strike out across the lake to Bethsaida, where he would join them later. He himself would stay and tell the crowds goodbye and get them started home. Now, ain't that just, that's just great. All this stuff is just great. Praise the Lord. Well, it ain't done. I notice it's miracle, 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 miracle. 
Afterward, he went up in the mountain to pray during the night. But we don't. Well, I want to know what those secret things were. Jesus had to charge his batteries. Quit adding stuff to it. He is the Son of God. He is God Almighty on this earth. There's no battery needs to be recharged. During the night, as the disciples were in the boat out in the middle of the lake, and he was alone, he saw they were in serious trouble. Hello, that picture. Jesus knows you're in serious trouble. Look what he did. Rowing hard against the wind and waves. At 3 o'clock in the morning, he walked out to them on the water. He started to pass them by. It's kind of, well, when are you leaving? He's not passing them to leave. Are you kidding? The Son of God's passing you in nasty water and whatever. He's out in front of you. This couldn't be better. John's account of this story, when they screamed and said, ah, Jesus got in the boat, all of a sudden they looked up and said, I could have swore we were a quarter mile away from the land. All of a sudden, they're tied at the dock. How did that happen? Praise the Lord. Anyway, they were in serious trouble, 3 o'clock. He started to pass them, but when they saw something walking along beside them, they screamed in terror, thinking it was a ghost, for they saw him. But he spoke to them and said, look at that. It's all right. It's I. Don't be afraid. He climbed in the boat. Where'd that storm go? Hmm. They sat there unable to take it in. Look at this. For they didn't even realize who he was even after the miracle that evening before, for they didn't want to believe. They arrived at Gennesaret on the other side. They moored the boat, climbed out. The people standing there, once they saw who he was, they ran through the whole area. No, miracle, miracle, miracle. They brought out stretchers of all these guys. Wherever they went, villages, cities, out in the farm, they laid the sick in the market plazas. I mean, endless, endless. Well, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right there. So what do we get from that? Well, back to Psalm 118. Praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord's made. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word says that oh, you'll take care of us if our bodies are not uh, feeling good, no matter what they are. We're not going to sit there and claim you don't have that ability. We thank you for that. We need it, praise the Lord. Cold season coming, flu season coming, scratchy throats, earaches, all these kind of things. Or if we hurt our backs or whatever, praise the Lord. You'll help us. It doesn't matter. Lord, same thing's true financially. It doesn't matter what kind of bill comes to, what kind of financial trouble. Boy, you fed those 5,000. You supplied all these needs, did all these miracles. Lord, if it's not those things, it's something else. And it doesn't matter. No matter what problem we face with, we've got you. You're going to help us just like you walked in front of that boat and told them not to be afraid. So that didn't leave anything left but for us to write stories about how great you've been to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. <coughs>